statistical, so unpredictable here on the SNL Network. Yes, hello everybody and welcome on into the Saturday Night Network here on this Monday evening recapping the Megan the Stallion episode of Saturday Night Live season 48 episode 3. This is the show where we talk about our favorite sketches from the week, break down why that host was booked, how the episode will be remembered in the long run, and then look forward to the next. We also got MVP results coming up in a little bit. But uh, I am very excited for this show on this Monday because we have three people on the podcast who we have not heard from in season 48 yet. And they're some of my favorite people that I got to talk to last season. So a great, uh, great show ahead of you. So let me introduce our panelists that we have here tonight. And thanks for everybody in the chat for joining us as well. I'll start off with the one wonderful Morgan Kaloran. Morgan, how are you? Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to be back for another season. Can't wait to dive deeper into the episode. I'm good over here. Great. It's great to hear from you. Looking forward to getting your thoughts on the episode. I know there are some sketches that you're very excited to talk about, so we will get into them shortly. And then also joining us tonight is the great Gabby Forbes Bennett. Gabby, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm very excited to be here. I have my season 47 jumper on. I guess that would be easier to do. And an accidental staging of my box set of 30 Rock because <laughs> it was just okay. around, so I just left it there. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I love, I love it when you come with the gear, uh, that season 47 sweatshirt seems to be like a really great uniform for the podcast. So glad to have you on Gabby, looking forward to talking to you about this episode. And then of course, I, I believe it was almost two years ago when Sammy K joined us on the podcast for the first time to talk about the Issa Rae episode and uh, look at where we've come, Sammy. So, uh, so great to get to talk to you and you're number three, Sammy K, how are you doing? You're number three. Let's do it. I'm, I'm doing great, John, uh, as uh, John Higgins from please don't destroy would say I've been Feeling fuego, and uh, I'm excited uh, for uh, two years on on the podcast. And you know, I, I must be doing something right. Yeah, when you said fuego, I was like, nah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that one. But yes, excited for you uh, to get to talk to you. I know you also have a super fan takeover coming up next Monday. So we'll talk at the end of the podcast and preview that for next Monday. But yeah, we are here. We made it through the first, you know, trio of episodes. So we had Miles Teller, Brendan Gleason and Megan Thee Stallion. And now I think we can start to evaluate what the season is beginning to look like just a little bit, though I believe all three episodes felt distinct and unique in their own ways. So, you know, let's talk through the decision to to book Megan the Stallion before we even get to the episode itself. And for me, this was the big headliner when I saw the announcements being made. I think Miles Teller seemed like a very solid choice, a very safe choice for the first episode. Brendan Gleeson was obviously the big unknown, but Megan the Stallion was the huge name that was booked for this. She has millions of followers all around the world. They're, you know, the hotties, her posse. Uh, and, you know, there's just there's so much Meg love out there that, you know, this seemed like a natural fit, let alone the fact that she was previously a musical guest on the show. And it seems like, you know, from everything I heard, the people at SNL were very excited to have her on the show. So Morgan, what was your reaction when you heard that Megan Thee Stallion was going to host Saturday Night Live? I personally was really excited for her. And I think like usually like performers do really well in that role. And she has so much personality that I bet we'll talk about more throughout the conversation. But I was excited to see her actually like live in the sketches, but also doing musical and just perform. So I was excited. Yeah. Gabby, what about you? Were you a fan of Megan Thee Stallion before, you know, Saturday night? 
Yeah, so I obviously knew who she was, and I'm not like a big listener of her music, but I, you know, she'll pop up every once in a while on like social media, and she seems to have really great energy. And so when I saw the announcement, my first thought was, okay, I'm glad that SNL is, you know, continuing this trend of appealing to like younger audiences and trying to get those viewers. And I also thought that it would be a good way of um, seeing, I guess, the duality of her because everyone knows, you know, Meg the Stallion. But I think with her latest um, album, Traumazine, she really wanted to showcase, you know, the more sensitive side of herself as well. And I thought that this would be a good opportunity to see that play out. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I think that that's the question that the bookers must be asking themselves when they decide to go ahead and book somebody like Meg Thee Stallion, you know, when they're talking about somebody who doesn't necessarily put themselves out there in this sense, like in a sketch comedy sense, it's like, can we take this person from a different walk of life and see if they translate well to sketch comedy is can they show that sensitive side? Can they show, you know, you know, more about them on the show. And I think that uh, we're going to answer that question as we talk through some of the sketches from tonight. So Sammy would love to hear from you. I know you're a pretty big music fan. And I know you know, make the stallion well and must have seen her recently in she Hulk. So how did you feel when you saw that she was going to be hosting Saturday Live? Yeah, no, I was very excited when they first announced, you know, the three uh, hosts for the beginning of the season, kind of like we were saying, definitely like the, the, the biggest get the biggest star, the person with the biggest pull, and, uh, you know, you know, SNL's recent trend of getting the Marvel people in um, the, the moment she had this summer with She-Hulk was like, you know, it was like one of those like Internet breaking moments where, you know, people loved it. People, Internet trolls hated it, but it caused a reaction. So obviously, you know, that is something that probably added to the booking as well. And, uh, you know, I, I'm always really interested to see how, you know, people who don't come from like an acting or comedy background are able to kind of hang in the sketch comedy world you know it's really like the opportunity obviously for for anyone coming in to host snl who isn't like um you know a former cast member it's really like you know can they hang it's a, it's a sink or swim sort of thing and uh, i think she was able to hang in this episode and i'm excited to kind of dive into all of that yeah, so I thought that is a, a very fascinating question, a fascinating question when you think about this episode in particular, because for me, after watching it, you know, my question going in, like Sammy said, was, you know, would Meg the Stallion hang with Saturday Night Live and would it feel like natural for her to fit into these sketches? And I think she fit with the way that the sketches ended up turning out because I really felt like they wrote this episode in her tone. I believe that it was Anthony on Saturday night said that it was every sketch felt like Megan the Stallion, like a trademark sketch for her. This was the Megan the Ske Stallion sketch show almost on Saturday night, which isn't a bad thing, right? I mean, that's the way that I think if you go back to the 70s and you watch those first few years and you watch some of the episodes, the tone of the episode often really felt like the way that the host was you know, brought in and how they were branded. It was like a Paul Simon episode or a Steve Martin episode. You know, that's what Lily Tomlin episode, that's how it felt back in the day. This really felt like a Meg Thee Stallion episode of Saturday Night Live ultimately. So I think that'll be fun when we're talking about the evaluation of the sketches is to really talk about like, you know, did, did that work or did it not? And, you know, one of the other questions, and I think this is a conversation that it's good to check in on every single year, because last year when Billie Eilish did it and Lizzo did it, we had that conversation uh, a couple of years ago, we had it with Adele. So let's talk about, you know, the decision to go double duty with Megan Thee Stallion, which is something that they didn't have to do, but they did. She ends up performing twice in the show. She's in eight other sketches. It's a huge night. Morgan, when you see that someone's booked for 
double duty and we're going to get it again in a couple of weeks with Jack Harlow. How do you feel about that? Or do you prefer two headliners to be a part of the show? I mean, that's a tough question because I think it all depends on like who it is, like who the host is, who the musical guest is, but then also like who could be fit to do both. And I think that I think that Megan was a really good choice to do both because like we talked about, she is such personality performer. Um, she's very like hot right now. Um, and so I think that they wanted to showcase someone that's going to like put on that show and just like mesh in with everyone. And um, I think someone in the comments said like that she really met everyone in the middle. And I kind of agree with that, but I also think that like she kind of just like, felt how it was in the moment and just like kind of just gave it her all in the musical performance um but also in the sketches so I was happy that she was doing double duty for sure and it kind of made the show just flow really nicely but yeah I enjoyed that yeah Gabby I mean we've had a ton of double duty hosts over the decades but is that something that you like to see or you prefer two separate headliners um like Morgan I think it kind of depends Um, With Megan, I feel like she's such a big personality that it kind of makes sense for her to do double duty. And I think also just not to get ahead of it, but the the songs that she sang really, again, showed like two different sides of her. So it was kind of an opportunity to see like more of Megan the Stallion and more of that, you know, the Stallion role that she just kind of puts on that persona. So I think that it was it was a good idea. Sammy, what about you? What do you think? I mean, I think it's just like another one of those metrics as SNL fans that we look at and when we look at covering the show and we say, you know, it's a, an honor that they ask for someone to, you know, do double duty. You know, I think for the most part, when you have a double duty host and musical guest, you know, they've been uh, a musical guest on the show before. At least that's happened with, you know, Justin Bieber and I think Chance the Rapper and you know, a, a lot of people I can't think of at the moment. So it kind of shows that, you know, we've kind of tested the waters with you. And uh, we think, you know, based on our relationship and how that went, we, we want to bring you back in. So I, I think it's just like another kind of one of those things like, a you know, who do they bring back as like a returning host for five times or anything like that, at least as like a hardcore SNL fan. That's how I, I look at it. And I'm, I'm like I said before, as far as like seeing like who can hang, like I, I think that is really cool to be able to see like you know do they have the chops to you know really make it like a hour and a half variety show starring them for the night and it's it's challenging it's like something that's really hard and not everyone can do it um but you know i i like seeing them you know try to push those boundaries and and who gets that opportunity to to go ahead and prove that I would, I, you know what I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Mike Murray and Nicole for the Wednesday show for the, by the number show. I want to know, because this is a great question, Sammy, how, what percentage of double duty hosts in the history of the show have been musical guests before they were double duty? Because that is a fascinating question. Cause it goes to show you that from the mind of the bookers from the SNL perspective, it really does help when they know that the host understands the way the show works. And I know that sometimes the musical guest will show up on like Thursday, they'll do their practice, not really fully involved. But I think in the case here of like, you know, did he, you know, people that they're looking at for double duty. I mean, we're going to have it again with Jack Harlow, who was a musical guest during the Maya Rudolph episode a couple years ago. It seems to me like that's where they're looking for double duty. But 
you know, every single Monday we ask our audience for questions and we do polls on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. So if you want to get be a part of the conversation, you can find us at the SNL network and answer those polls. And we got the results. And one of the questions that I did ask, because I knew I was going to be asking the panel tonight was, do you prefer double duty hosts or two separate headliners? And I was fascinated by this answer that we got from our audience. Check this out. 85.81%, so almost 86% said they prefer two separate headliners to double duty. 15% or 14% said double duty. So Sammy, what do you think of these results? Well, I don't think that's actually surprising because when you think about it, a double duty host, that is, you know, eliminating, you know, so many different kind of hosts that you can have, you know, there's not how many comedians can sing, you know, how many professional athletes are going to like, you know, also have a band, you know, like st stuff like that, where, you know, uh, it, it makes sense that, you know, if you are asking the way the question is phrased, you know, which do you okay. prefer? I, I think, you know, that, that that's like my immediate reaction is like, it makes sense because, um, you know, you are like kind of closing it off to a lot of different kinds of hosts. So you're saying by asking this question, we're also saying, in other words, do you prefer a musician to headline the show or other? That's kind of how I read it. Unless, I mean, I would love to see, you know, George Clooney, if he were to ever host, like, you know, see if he, does he know how to play the banjo? Like, I, I don't know. These are, let's, let's, if we're playing these musicians who don't have acting experience to the test, you know, I, I think it's only fair to, you know, every once in a while get someone without, uh, you know, professional music background to go ahead and, and sing. Morgan, you agree with this? A little confused, like what he's trying to say. Sorry, Sammy, but like, I mean, you have—I mean, you have to be a musician if you're going to do both. I mean, <laughs> like, I think you have to be a right. musician, musician, really. Yeah, well, yeah you have to be I, yeah. willing. And you have to be willing, and like, you have to be able to like. You have to be that kind of person that's going to be able to do both as a musician. Some musicians. That's not, they don't want to be doing that. They don't want to be in the sketches. They just want to perform. But then there's, I mean, other people that like Megan, like Adele, like everyone we've basically seen, like Jack Harlow, I think he's going to step up to the plate. These people like that have that personality that can take on doing both. And that will do good usually at doing both. Yeah. Gabby, anything else on this? Yeah. I think to Sammy's point, there are probably a lot of fans who would, uh, think that some musical guests actually don't have much musical ability. So, I mean, right. I, I would also like to see George Clooney play the banjo. Um, but yeah, I think that like one thing that it kind of raises is possibly when they have a musician do double duty, it could also be kind of like hedging a little bit where they you know, might think that the musician will at least do well during the musical performances, even if they're not a hit during the, like comedically during the, the live show, because it is, you know, it's a huge challenge, I'm sure, for someone to prep all week and just do sketch comedy that's something they've never done before, in addition to preparing for live performances. So, yeah. Yeah, so I think what I'd like to do, and I'm going to make note of this to tell Nicole for the Jack Harlow roundtable that when we ask this in a couple of weeks is I want to know when a musician hosts Saturday Night Live, do you prefer them to do double duty or be the host? And I think that's probably the correct way that we want to word that to get some more information from the audience. But okay, let's talk more about this Megan Thee Stallion episode. And before we get into her part of things, we always start on Mondays with our cold open. And this time we're talking about the January 6th uh, hearings and the committee. 
And we get to see Keenan Thompson open things up as Benny Thompson and introduces the other representatives who are sitting there and different cast members. Uh, in particular, some unique things was obviously the appearance of Michael Longfellow, who's up there with a lot of the veterans. Uh, Heidi Gardner's role, I think, was a little notable here as well. And then obviously the cuts to... Chloe Feynman as Nancy Pelosi, Sarah Sherman as Chuck Schumer, uh, JAJ does do Trump in this one as well. But uh, I think my biggest takeaway from the January 6th committee, uh, there were parts that I liked, which we'll talk about more than others, but it was the takeover of roles that I think was really fascinating for this particular cold open. So Morgan, how did you feel about the January 6th committee? You said that perfectly at the end with the taking over of the roles. At first, it made me like a little curious or like I was a little uneasy just to like see how it was going to play out but as the sketch kind of went on they all I think felt more comfortable doing those new roles and I think that the cuts were good when they were cutting to Trump cutting to Nancy um, I think that it needed those cuts to keep it going in my opinion I mean it wasn't my favorite cold open that we've seen this season yet but I think that they did well with like casting everybody to who they were portraying um and I really enjoyed Sarah and Chloe getting to do that little bit together yeah and let me be clear Sarah and Chloe in this one I think was brilliant and I think like had the makings of an amazing cold open just the two of them but I want to get Gabby and Sammy in with their opinion before I continue to talk about that so Gabby what did you think of our cold open this week uh, yeah, I agree that um, Sarah and Chloe were the highlights for me. Um, it's really interesting seeing how new cast members take on like roles where they're impersonating real life people because even though you know different members will um, act as the same person, it they bring a different like it's a different personality to it. And so I I don't know I feel like I would love to see uh, Chuck Schumer and um, Nancy Pelosi <laughs> just kind of duo. <laughs> But yeah, I like treats. I liked that. It was silly. And so I appreciated it. Yes, that was a very weird aside. Yeah, by the I way. don't know I, why they included that, but <laughs> that was very, very odd. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know why. Uh, Colin Jost and I believe Will Steven did the uh, cold open for this week. So, Sammy, what did you think of our January 6th committee cold open? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you see a cold open and they have the C SPAN logo up and you know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get a recreation of like what's going on in the news. And obviously, you know, looking back at like the last two shows we had where we had such creative cold opens, you know, I immediately was like trying to be engaged and, and trying not to like automatically write this off. I, I'll say that going back to what we were saying about, you know, the, the new cast or people taking over old roles, I think that was like, you know, super refreshing. And, and that alone took what, you know, was a concept we've seen, you know, many, many times, especially, you know, post, you know, Trump era of the show. That was super refreshing. Highlights being, you know, my, my boy Mikey Long's Michael Longfellow as Adam Schiff, um, you know, uh, saying he has like the, the smile from Smile. I thought that was funny for like a, a quick bit. Obviously, we talked about Sarah and Chloe was, was a real highlight. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just think overall this cold open was almost like a, a microcosm for some of the, the, the issues that I'm starting to see with this season where I'm seeing new people on screen and a lot of re refreshing, you know, voices on screen and people we haven't seen a lot of, but with kind of old 
you know, SNL tricks from the last couple of years, you know, as the, the skeleton of it. So, I mean, overall, I thought, I thought it was fine. I don't think, I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was, you know, very serviceable, but every kind of new cast member element to it, that kind of saved it for me. Definitely agree with that. And I really just want to emphasize in particular, my love for Sarah Sherman's uh, Chuck Schumer impression here, because uh, this is the first time that we have seen Sarah Sherman do an impression of any kind on the show in her entire time from last year and the start of this year. And she portrayed this impression with so much joy. There was a like, I guess a little bit of an electricity that I really felt between Chloe and Sarah that I haven't seen on the show between a couple of cast members in a while. It really very much reminded me of Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph together with, in this case, like the Chloe Feynman being the Amy Poehler and the Sarah being the Maya Rudolph, because I always felt like Maya played her impressions with such joy. And there was a little bit of uh, Bronx Beat-esque-ness where they were going back and forth with each other that I just felt was really, really strong. Uh, they did actually, you know, I was, I was cutting some sound clips today and like, there was a part in this sketch that I really loved, where in particular, uh, it was when Chloe is, as Nancy Pelosi says this. There is poo-poo. There's poo-poo on the walls of the Capitol. And in the live show, which you're not going to see on YouTube, because I don't know why they cut this out, they cut to Sarah Sherman eating a, I, I, what I can only assume is a pastrami on rye, where she's eating a sandwich, and she goes, oh my god, while I'm eating? And she says it with this absolute like brilliance to her that seems to be cut out of the YouTube. And I don't know why, if they just used the dress version for whatever reason, maybe Keenan breaks or something. But Sarah is playing with the impression with such like jubilation that I could only imagine that if I was in the room, like I would be laughing so hard because I think like that's exactly what I look like, what I look for in the impressions. And uh, I do feel like, you know, Sometimes the impressions on the show have gotten so good in the last 10 years in terms of just like technicality in the way that they're doing it, that sometimes they lose the joy in like making fun of someone in a way that we used to get maybe like 10 or 15 years ago. So I thought like that was really great. And I also just want to give a big shout out to Heidi Gardner, who I think like, you know, I don't want the sketch to take away from her role in the sketch, who I think was absolutely fantastic when she kept talking about. Um, I guess you could say I have big dick Cheney energy. <laughs> Like she played that role with such certainty that I felt like it was a really, really strong aspect of things. I think the the non-Chloe Sarah parts were probably the weaker parts of this sketch, but Heidi is the exception there for me, who I think did a fantastic job in this January 6th committee cold open. Anyone else on the panel have anything else from the uh, the cold open that they want to bring up? I just want to add to the Sarah conversation. Yeah, agreed. Like I, I was incredibly impressed with her. We've all been kind of talking about, you know, what's, um, a political impression she has in her bag. What's something that could kind of get her in a cold open? Because obviously, you know, stats wise, she's been, you know, in a lot of, you know, 10 for one sketches and, and stuff like that. And to, you know, kind of fill in the shoes of somebody who had recently left Alex Moffat, who I thought his truck humor was great. Like he was definitely, you know, whenever we were doing these kind of, you know, cold opens in the last couple of seasons, seeing him pop up was great. So the fact that like right off the bat, she's able to come fill in, what I would consider to be big shoes and totally knock you out of the park was super impressive to me. 
Yeah, and I also see our friend Nick in the chat says that she did a Chucky impression last year. And yes, a Chucky, but not Chucky Schumer, not the one that we wanted with a political impression here. And I'm very excited to see what else she can do in terms of involving her in the politics. Because I think like that's what we want from SNL is like they're never going to get away from politics, but we just want them to be more silly when it comes to politics because it, life is way too serious and we turn to SNL for our silliness. So I think that uh, that's my hope as we start to head towards the midterms because I would have to assume we're probably going to get more political cold opens coming up in in i was gonna say january in november okay let's talk about the other sketches from the night that we want to talk about involving meg the stallion so morgan i'm gonna head over to you what is the sketch that you would like to talk about i want to discuss the i got brought pre-tape okay and why is that <laughs> okay so i mean i feel like i love when they do these pre-tapes, but I like when they're very relatable. Like sometimes they're just like too far-fetched or like out of the ordinary, but like this one was one of those relatable ones and where the song could get like stuck in your head or it's very like memorable. Um, but I feel like everybody's been in a situation where like you, you have a friend or a family member, someone, that doesn't know the other people in the group and that you bring along and then the other people do that as well. And then you're hanging with your friends and then those people are just stuck with each other. And it's like, what do we even talk about? And like, why are we even here? And I thought that they just portrayed that really well. And I mean, Meg is unreal at like, you know, rapping and singing and she got that little bit in there that really flowed. And I just thought Bowen was hilarious in it as well. Um, but yeah, I just love the relatability in that. And I think it was a strong pre-tape. I think it was one of the strongest that we've seen so far over the course of these three episodes. I agree. I love the pre-tapes that we got from this episode. And we're gonna be talking about uh, all of them throughout the episode today. But starting with We Got Brought. So this is a sketch that does feature Bowen Yang and Heidi Gardner, who are friends, Phil and Alexis, Ego and Devin, who are a couple, and then Megan and Punky, who are sisters. And the six of them do go out together. And it's uh, Heidi and Devin and Punky, who all know each other well. And then Bowen, Ego and Meg are all left alone to talk to each other. And we get the awkward nature of the conversation and the different things that they try and think of to talk about. So Gabby, how do you feel about We Got Brought? Yeah. It was like looking into a mirror, honestly. <laughs> I was just at a wedding um, a couple of weeks ago, and that's exactly how it felt at the bride's table <laughs> with all of you know the people. The only connection we have is knowing the bride, and we're just like eating dinner around each other, trying to think of conversation <laughs> to have. Um, I feel like I was just grasping at straws, like I should have led with a Megan's "What's your trauma?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to just get the conversation you, going. What's trauma yeah <laughs> great opener um but yeah I, I really enjoyed it i feel like it's the perfect level of like secondhand embarrassment that i can experience because it was so relatable i felt like i was just there with them and i didn't even know them which made it even more uncomfortable um but yeah yeah. And I, you know, some people in the chat are talking about this and I did see this online as well. I do want to give credit to our friend Andrew Dick, who was, I believe the first one that I saw bring this up, but there was some debate about like, Hey, this is a good pre-tape, but should this have been a live sketch? Because the concept was really strong, right? Like imagine you walk into like a restaurant and then the three people are left alone and it's the like 
you know, just the escalation of like, oh my God, what am I going to say to this person? It sort of feels like that would be a live sketch, but they turned it into this rap video anyway. So was the vehicle right? Like, I think that's an interesting thing to evaluate here. Sammy, how'd you feel about the We Got Brought pre-tape? Yeah, I, you know, I also saw that conversation online and that got me kind of thinking about that as well. I, th I say overall, I, I enjoyed it. The music video sketches, the ones that I find to be like really successful or when the song itself too gets really stuck in my head. And I, I don't feel like this one did that. I, I think as I was watching it, you know, definitely a lot of, you know, good kind of joke punchlines, like the, you know, what's y'all's trauma was really funny. Um, talking about how there's been, you know, only 25 deaths at Disneyland, like great delivery by Bowen. I will say one part of the song that I've been like singing to myself the last couple of days is like Bowen going, you know, where are our friends? Where have they gone? Like that was like very funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like the vehicle for the sketch, you know, this did make me nostalgic for, you know, the Chris Red and Pete Davidson uh, music video sketches. Obviously that's already at, during this, what'd you say? <laughs> I said, you're already nostalgic for them. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I guess, I guess so. Um, you know, it reminds us of the, the transitional year as, the good old days last good, may the good old days you know i mean you know last may pete was barely in the second half of the that's season, true that is you true. know so it's been a while but no i mean but it goes back to that question of like should this have been a live sketch you know do we need to fill this void of you know the music video pre-tape i do i do understand you know when you have you know someone like megan the stallion in the building you know that's kind of like you know the first thing you think of is like all right what's like some sort of music video we can do, you know, these are all the concepts we have for sketches and, you know, what is something that we can kind of easily translate to a music video. So I, you know, I, uh, I think for this one, it was, you know, fine to do, but I, I kind of understand the, the question of, you know, whether or not it would be, you know, better served in a different package. Yeah. So this sort of reminded me, I was trying to think of like situations in my life where I've experienced something like this, because it seems like everybody across the board said this was a relatable concept. And I think like Gabby brought up the wedding situation, which that makes sense. It sort of reminded me, I don't know how many of you have gone to summer camp, but like when I was younger and single, uh, and especially like when you're like a camper, like a CIT, maybe like a young counselor or whatever. And like, you would go with like, I, at least this is my experience. I would like sometimes go with one of my friends to like go visit like the girl's cabin or whatever it is, the girl's bunk. And like my friend maybe would be like hooking up with somebody over there. And like, you're like the friend that's like tagging along, but like, you're not like going to meet anybody. You're just like hanging out with like their friends so you're almost like on a double date where it's like you're not actually like interested in that person so you have that like awkward moment where you're kind of just like waiting for everything to wrap up so like and then he's like okay i have nothing to talk about with you so you end up bringing up stuff like deaths at disneyland uh sammy i know you went to camp did you ever have this experience uh i mean now you're bringing up my trauma so okay sorry <laughs> i don't i don't yeah uh, you can guess which friend that was in the situation. Um, no, totally relatable in that regard. But uh, yeah, uh, that, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, got it. Uh, Gabby, do you ever go to summer camp? Do you ever experience that? Um, not, not exactly, I will say. But <laughs> thank you for sharing your experience you're welcome, and bringing you're welcome. this to the to our attention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's like trauma. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Maury, what about you? Were you a summer camp person? No, yeah. When you were think or when you were talking about this, I was thinking like you have those like camp friends, and then when you go home, you like mesh your camp friends with your like 
school friends or whatever. And then they're the ones that got brought. So like that's happened to me before, but yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, I really did enjoy this pre-tape a lot for what it's worth. I think Bowen was, you know, like, look, Bowen, I think would say himself, like he's not a rapper, but I think it made it like fun. The fact that he was like so invested, so high energy, so into this. I love this line. I don't want to be here anymore. Just like the passion that he said that I think was so great. So uh, I think this was really fun. I also kind of like, you know, for, for a rap video, I think they subverted our expectations a little bit in this, which made it even better, which was that like Meg leaves partway through. Like you expect like it's going to be like Meg jumps, is going to jump back in for the chorus, but it's really like sort of about the tandem of like Bowen and Ego in it. And Megan is just there as like an accessory to it, which I think actually kind of made this fun. Like they made it more what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, which was like, this felt like an SNL sketch that Megan was in as opposed to like the Megan sketch show, which I think we got for a lot of this episode. So I think that's why I in particular enjoyed that pre-tape. Okay. Gabby. Oh, sorry, Sammy, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to uh, give a little aside as a hip hop fan though, myself, you know, I, when Meg leaves, you know, the sketch kind of halfway through, she, she does come back. You know, I, I was, uh, you know, hoping for some bars, you know, right. I was a little, I was a little, not disappointed, but like, you know, could, could have used a little bit more of that, but you know, we, we can move on. Okay. All right, Gabby, what is the sketch that you would like to talk about? Okay. So I wanted to talk about deer. Um, I'm not sure how it has been received by um, fans of the show. I can see like people just aren't that interested, <laughs> but um, I I liked it. Uh, so I feel like I have a soft spot for like the silly little sketches uh, that they do that I feel kind of toe the line in my opinion of just like right at the precipice of being a complete dud. I'm sure that because they're so close to it, there are people who would feel like it just is a dud altogether. But I feel like it, it's very interesting to see how the cast um, kind of reins it back in and just keeps it kind of entertaining. So for me, I think the highlight in this sketch actually was Keenan um, because I feel like just in general, he does a good job of whenever, you know, like the plot of it was just ridiculous. And I think that he, with his uh, mannerisms, especially like his facial expressions, just has a way of engaging you as an audience member. Like when the um, sketch started, I obviously had no idea what was happening or where it was going to go. And then when they're like looking out the window and he just says, you know, don't yell at me. I thought, oh, OK, this is this is where we are. This is the kind of humor that this is going to go in. Um, and I don't know. I just thought that overall it's kind of maybe a challenge for the cast in order to make it seem like like entertaining and engaging enough for people to watch. And I felt engaged by it. Um, I also appreciated seeing um, Meg Thee Stallion. I feel like she's um, very good at like acting with her body. And so I felt that even, you know, when she was pointing out the window with her long nails, you know, the, the arch of my point, that whole thing that she kept repeating, I felt that it was just... It, it kind of flowed together and tied everything together. I was like beyond fascinated with this sketch on Saturday because I think it's the <laughs> first time in my history of podcasting that I said like, I sort of don't 
get what they were going for here. Like, at least when a sketch, in my opinion, isn't great. Like, I understand what they were trying to do. But like on Saturday, I really didn't. So I went back and I watched this like a few times just to try and get it. And I, I started to say to myself, like, um, what's wrong with me? Like, what's the <laughs> trauma like i was trying to figure it out because i was like have i become so sophisticated in my analysis <laughs> of sketch comedy that i can't enjoy something so stupid and i i don't think that's the case but maybe it was just like the mindset of like this is like a 10 to 1 sketch like a sketch that should have been in the last sketch of the night so you're like so silly and delirious but it was like placed earlier on and like Usually we have the opposite problem. Like usually we have a sketch that was like later in the night that should have been earlier. But like, I think this is a sketch that really belonged later in the night because it was like so stupid and not believable in like a reality sense. But I think like, you know, if you're gonna just accept the fact that like Mr. Reynolds is really dumb as Keenan Thompson's character and like the deer is like this deer that can like pick up knives and like uh, do uh, this to Keenan. Like if you if you can accept that, then I think you could probably enjoy this more because it seems like everybody in the like so many people that I've talked to have like either like despised it or absolutely like loved it. And I think this is a really polarizing sketch to talk about. So let me get Sammy and Morgan's opinions. Sammy, what did you think of the deer sketch? John, we're we're on opposite ends of the spectrum here uh, tonight because okay, I, uh, I I really enjoyed this. I will just to comment on your point on the placement. Yeah, I think thinking back, I would have switched the classroom sketch and this. Because the like, classroom sketch was great. I really enjoyed it, but didn't necessarily feel like that 10 to 1 energy. So maybe that could have helped you out when you're viewing it on Saturday night. But no, I, I really like this. I I think, I mean, we were talking about how the we got broad sketch was relatable. Maybe it's because like I, I wear glasses and, you know, my, my vision's not great. But there, there are times where someone's like, we're in like a crowd or someone's pointed out like someone to me or something to me. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm like so blind that it takes me like, and even when I'm wearing my glasses, like, I just like, don't know, like I can't follow the arc of the point. And so to, to me, I was like, I was keen in, in the situation. And I, I mean, I just thought um, kind of seeing him anchor a sketch and bouncing off, you know, three featured players and, and the host was, was really fun to see, you know, with Keenan being in his 20th season, um, you know, I, just from a meta perspective, you know, of the show, I, I think the fact that Keenan can like do this kind of role in his sleep is still very impressive and made me laugh a lot. And if we're talking about like the Megan, the stallion show, I think of a lot of the sketches um, of the night, you know, this is a sketch where her role, you know, I could have seen a, a cast member in that position. And I, I think she like was, was really funny in the role, like, playing you know not necessarily against the type but not it, it wasn't like the hot girl hospital or, or something like that it was a little more slice of life even though it was slice of life in a world where there's like a a, a muppet deer coming in that's gonna bring a knife and and pants keenan so um no i i really enjoyed this one okay so uh, i'm just trying to understand so for your from your perspective the point of this sketch was to emphasize people who can't see things when they're being pointed out is that like what it is it's like the escalation of the point uh <laughs> i i see from like an actual like construction of the sketch like i just that is what like, we do yeah, here so yeah, like i'm trying yes, to understand yes. yeah yeah i would say so because then the deer comes in and he's just like not being he can't see the deer in the window he can't 
He can't see the deers right behind them. That that is the point of the sketch. Okay. All right. Okay, Morgan. And, and it's taken this. and it's taken up to the the nth degree. Okay, so it's escalating so much to the point that he can't see that the deer is about to stab him and pull down his back. Okay, I, I think I can follow yeah. that. Okay, Morgan, yeah. what do you think of this? I don't even know if there was a point to the sketch, honestly. Um, I agree on a lot of your guys' points, specifically with the placement of it. I totally agree that the classroom one should have totally been swapped with this one. I only liked it because it was Keenan like carrying it. Like it wouldn't have been funny if it was anybody else, in my opinion. I think like he always plays those like dad roles really, really good and strong. And I did like the like I liked the dialogue happening with Megan as the daughter and him as the dad. And I did think it was funny how she was like showing them their new house and like I thought at the end when he was like getting her to maybe want to move back to wherever they were from when Megan started laughing and broke I thought that that was actually really funny but the whole deer part was a little confusing and out of the ordinary but I liked the dialogue happening I liked Keenan with the featured players um and Sammy you said something about how it was kind of like that slice of life um, and I totally agree with that because it was different than a lot of the other ones for sure, but it was, it was kind of stupid. Yeah. See, there's been sketches that they've done before where like cast members or in the, you know, creation of the sketch, like they're looking out the window at something or like, they're not noticing something out the window. I think in particular about like a Kristen wig, I'm going to say hosted episode where there was a Thanksgiving parade and she's like playing one of the floats that like comes by the window and stuff like that. There's that one. I believe there's also, if I remember correctly, a hotel sketch where like they see like the ocean and they see like things that like, uh, like appear underwater and stuff like that. I think that those are sketches that I think there's something there. Had there been, you know, I, I think for me, like, again, I, I know I'm, I'm overanalyzing this and there's listeners who love this sketch. who are going to be like, John, you are so annoying because the sketch was just silly and it should have been, uh, just evaluated as a silly sketch. And I'm cool. I like silly humor. I like ridiculous, like Will Forte is my favorite cast member. Like I totally get that. But I'm just saying like, I wonder if the sketch would have worked better for me had it been like, okay, now there's no longer a deer outside the window. Now there's like something else even more ridiculous. And I think they were getting there with the bunny rabbit on the deer, but then they like stopped and now the deer was in the house. So it's almost like was sending cross wiring to me of like what they were going for like if it was just like craziness was happening out the window and you could never see it like maybe that to me would have worked better any thoughts on there i feel like you're putting more thought into it than they okay. thought the <laughs> audience would put into it yes okay yes and thank you our, our friend matt in the chat says underwater hotel uh, from the peter dinkler show in s41 yeah that's the one i was thinking about as well so yeah, I think, yeah, Gabby, I agree with you. I yeah, think if you like, like be there for the ride, you know, okay, what's going to happen right. next? Who knows? <laughs> yes, for sure. I don't want to be that guy. Like, I really don't like, so I apologize <laughs> to our audience. Like, I don't want to be that guy that doesn't enjoy things when they're given to me like the way that I want. But I just maybe I'm, I'm become this person that overanalyzes everything. I guess we'll see. Okay, moving on from the deer over to Sammy for his sketch that he wants to talk about. Yeah, I mean, you know, by popular uh, demand, the the please don't destroy boys are back in the writers' room and in, in their office. Uh, this is their sketch wellness. It was good to see the boys back uh, in the office. I, I did really enjoy the Brendan Gleeson pre-tape, um, but if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
you know, I, I, I really enjoyed this one. If uh, you guys need a refresher, you know, they're all talking about, you know, different wellness things they're, they're doing in their lives, uh, in their lives. Martin's talking about how he's got like a new smoothie regimen for his pre-workout and he's putting chocolate syrup and, and ice cream and it's basically a milkshake. And it's just kind of, you know, going on and on, you know, of these like, kind of ridiculous wellness activities that they're doing that are not really wellness activities. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, like, please don't destroy is just like in these pre-tapes, it's just like a great joke machine, you know, just like they have the, obviously they come from TikTok and that's where they like, you know, made their bread and butter before they joined the show. And they're really good at this, like very kinetic energy sort of pacing. And they're just throwing joke and after joke after joke for you. But, you know, now that they've been on the show for a year, I think like what I really noticed in this particular piece was you know, not only is their writing like really strong, but I, I think like as performers, they're all developing to be like really, really like funny and dynamic. I think like going into their time on SNL, just based on like, you know, their TikTok videos, I think, um, is it Ben, the one who has uh, the, the red hair? Um, I, I think yes. that's his name. Yeah. So I, I feel like a lot of people, you know, saw him as like, you know, maybe the one that had the most potential to be a cast member and, you know, the most, you know, range or whatever comedic timing. But in this sketch, I mean, I thought Martin was like hilarious. Like he is maybe becoming my favorite. Please don't destroy boy. Like he's got like just the the way he kind of has um, like this vocal inflections and like facial expressions like in the sketch when he's delivering stuff like the, the line of like the cigarette uh, fitness gym membership and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. To me, like this was all really funny. So. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think I would have liked this sketch a lot more if I didn't love the please don't destroy sketch from last week. So like, I'm not looking for things to like love or hate per se, but I just think that like, I, I love the direction they were going with that. I love that they stepped beside the office, that they were making things like feel like a bigger deal. It felt like a bigger budget thing. And then it sort of like regressed to this in a way. And I think that it's like, okay, if they're going to do like both of these things, that's fine. I guess I'll adjust my expectations, but it sort of feels like whenever they're in the office doing these like three back and forth, the three of them, it, it does feel very much like the beginning stuff that we saw from them, like right at the beginning of last year. And it sort of feels repetitive in the sense of like a deep thoughts by Jack Handy, like which was something that we saw like a lot throughout the 80s and 90s, uh, which was, you know, a writer on SNL who would write just like a one minute 30 second uh, sketch that would show up and it would be like deep thoughts and it would be like a very funny one liner. And like it sort of feels just like similar style, similar tone, uh, different subject. So if I knew that that's what we were getting from Please Don't Destroy, I'm like, okay, I could evaluate it as is, but I'm also evaluating it in comparison to what I saw literally a week ago, which I absolutely loved. And it's like, to me, I think Please Don't Destroy would even say that they love the Brendan Gleeson one more than this one because like it felt like like a real like big moment. And then this one felt like back to what they were doing last year. Not that I have anything necessarily against it because I think there were elements that were interesting. Morgan, how do you feel about the wellness sketch we got from Please Don't Destroy? Like when I think of Please Don't Destroy Now, I do think of them in the writer's room and them three. Um, so when I saw the one last week, I like basically thought that was like a pre-tape almost. Like it didn't feel like Please Don't Destroy to me. Um, I personally, like when they're in the writer's room, I think that it is like a good break kind of from the show. Um, I don't like when they do a Please Don't Destroy every episode. I like how they kind of do it like randomly or every other episode. But I did like seeing the back in the writer's room, even though like they're, you know, like it's just them and it's them doing what they do best, which is like them writing and them doing comedy. 
just them three. And I like, I love how the camera just like flashes to each one of them. It's quick. It's funny, short. So I like that cadence of it. So I, I was excited to see that again. I didn't like love the um, theme of it, like the wellness and how like it wasn't wellness. I don't know. Kind of thought that was a little stupid. I think there's some other better please don't destroys that we've seen and better like topics and themes or like with the hosts or with guests that come into the writer writer's room with them. But I did like seeing them back in the writer's room. I think I saw like a poll on, on social and it was like, do you prefer them outside of the writer's room or in the writer's room? And I, I wonder how that did. So that was us from last week and we got, it was, it was, I think uh, I'll, I'll just double check with Nicole for the results. We did show those last year, but I think it was like last week it was, I think it was pretty split. So it, it is interesting to think about. I think where my issue, Gabby, a little bit is like the, you know, last week we saw this pre-tape with them, which was them playing fictionalized versions of themselves, where it wasn't like literally John and Martin and Ben who were like still in college with Brandon Gleason. It was a fictionalized version of the three of them. And so it's like, okay, now I'm accepting the fact that they're going to be in things as not themselves. But now it's like, okay, now we're actually seeing them. So it's like, I don't know. I think I'm, again, over, probably overthinking it. But, <laughs> you know, I, I I just feel like it's really hard to evaluate it on its own when it was just so different from what we saw previously. So how did you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I agree. Maybe I'm also over-evaluating it. But I just feel like this sketch compared to, like, I guess when I even started doing this uh, podcast where there were some please don't destroy sketches, um, it just felt like, almost kind of copy and paste when they're in the writer's room. Not that it wasn't entertaining or like enjoyable to watch, but I just feel like it's kind of tired in my opinion at this point, because it, in a way it almost felt like it's, you know, when they're in the writer's room, it's just a different topic with the same kind of jumps and kind of, obviously you don't know what the jokes are going to be and they're still funny, but it just felt like I'd like to see a bit of a change there. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, just to go back to what Morgan had asked, uh, I do have the results from last week. So let me put those up one more time. So this is what we asked last week after the Please Don't Destroy pre-tape. We said, do you prefer them in the office or out of the office? And these were the results as of last Monday night. And it was actually 80% sit in the office, 20% sit out of the office. So excuse me, I forgot about that. So I guess those 80% were pretty happy this week to see them back into the office. And I think that what would make me more comfortable with this situation uh, or at least more accepting of what they were going for would be if I knew that like anytime they were in the office, like that's the three of them, like having fun with each other. And like, that's, that's the writers, right? That's John, Ben and, and Martin. But when they're outside of the office, that's not really them anymore. That's like them playing these eccentric versions, putting themselves in situations. So like, I think if I had like the rules of the game explained to me a little bit better then I think I would understand how to play it when I'm evaluating, please don't destroy who I think like did a pretty good job with this. I would love to know, by the way, if anybody knows who the actress was that played uh, the therapist in this pre-tape, please let me know. Cause I would love to, uh, <laughs> would love to know that. <laughs> so to interview, I, to interview her. Yeah. I just, you know what? I really love to have her this week on the patron feedback show. If she's down yeah. for that. So. <laughs> That makes sense. I'm also, I'm in the market for a new therapist. So, uh, you know, I just would love her to ask me. Uh, What's y'all's trauma? So <laughs> we'll see. But uh, otherwise, I think there were some some really good parts of this on an individual level. Okay. I, I just the wanted to, sorry, one thing, um, the quote Zoloft, but just the side effects. I, when I heard that, the first thing that came to my mind was it sounds like a club that Stefan would tell you about on Weekend Update. <laughs> Yes, that is uh, that is very true. Okay, 
let's talk about the sketch that I want to talk about. And I want to talk about, I think they called it women's charity, but I'm going to call it the chilly women's sketch because for me, this was hilarious and so, so relatable. I have been in a relationship with my girlfriend for a while and the amount of times my sweatshirts go missing is unreal. I'm a big sweatshirt person. I definitely run cold. Uh, you know, 74, like Maggie had on her thermostat is probably fine. But like, I am a lizard. Like I belong in the heat and humidity. And that's because like, I, I'm fine. Like I'm never hot. So for me, I'm all, I'm always wearing sweatshirts and I have a ton of favorite sweatshirts, sports sweatshirts. I'm a, like a brand guy. So like, I really like something. I'll get a sweatshirt of it. And they go missing all the time because my girlfriend takes them or sleeps in them, whatever it is. And I thought this was so funny and so relatable when we get to see uh, Heidi and Ego and Chloe and Megan all playing like people who look like this looks like a commercial for like somebody who has like a disease like that's the way that's the tone was played it was like very dark in the tone that they colored this pre-tape and then you obviously have the background of Keenan singing where he goes uh like this hallelujah hallelujah uh very triggering for snl fans also uh r.i.p coolio but he does a little bit of a but I just love that they basically took this concept, which again is extremely relatable and fun, but then they uh, blew it up like to the point where this is, you know, if you were to see this commercial on TV, you would think they're talking about like, like, you know, eight out of 10 people who, you know, experience this or like have some like crazy disease. Like that's what it, it felt like. And I thought like that was really brilliant in the way this was written. I have to give big credit to the uh, writers, uh, Che and Bula who wrote this one. So uh, I really love this. I also love the interactions between Devin and uh, Meg and Dismukes in the uh, in the laundromat as well. Just so, so fun. So Chili Women for me was like probably one of my highlights of the night. Morgan, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I definitely think it was relatable. Um, like we talked about earlier, like, yeah, with these pre-tapes, it's fun to get that relatability. And then everyone on their couches at home is like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they kind of just connect more to it. Um, but yeah, I thought that um, it was creative, that it was like kind of a commercial type pre-tape. Um, and yeah, they're really tapping into like the season now. Um, end of October, cold sweater season, which is fun. But yeah, I liked everyone's role in this and how relatable that it was also. And Keenan singing always is great. Morgan, are you a sweatshirt stealer? I'm wearing my own right now. <laughs> okay, okay. But yes. Yeah, I love, I love sweatshirts. I mean, in Chicago, it's so cold out. So I'm always layering now. Okay. Gabby, how do you feel about this pre-tape? Um, I, I loved it. I felt that, especially with Keenan singing in the background, it reminded me of those like Sarah McLaughlin um, ASPCA commercials. Right. In the arms yes. of an angel, in the arms of your boyfriend's sweatshirt, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought it was pretty, pretty fun. And I am also like, I just am freezing all of the time. So I definitely related to that. <laughs> yes. Are you a sweatshirt stealer though? Um, borrower? Extended borrower. borrower. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's that's very funny. Sammy, how do you relate to this or how do you feel about it? Well, I can say that I relate to it right now because uh, for my birthday, I got like a, a new hoodie and uh, my girlfriend is wearing it right now. So clearly this is something that is uh, a problem I deal with. 
in my everyday life. And then, uh, no, very funny concept. Uh, I, I really enjoyed how it was kind of like, you know, made its point and like got out. Like, I think it was like a minute and a half, you know, two minutes max. Um, all of the like actual like costuming and like the hoodies, like were all so on point, like the rolling loud security hoodie was so funny. Uh, the Dunder Mifflin one is just like the NBC synergies there, but I, it's also just like, it just makes sense. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, the one thing that like confused me a little bit and like, you know, not to like overanalyze sketches like you did with the deer sketch earlier, but yeah. um, the, the cool, the, the part where he switched to Coolio, is that just like, Oh, this is, this is random. So that's why it's fun. I, to me, I was just, I was like, obviously I know he passed away um, recently, but I was just kind of like, it's kind of scratching my head a little bit there, but overall, um, I thought this was very funny. Sorry, I just remembered something um, because I also thought that the Coolio shout out was just because he passed. But I just remembered Coolio actually did the theme song for Keenan and Kel, if anyone remembers that. Oh, yeah. That's a great so I, yeah. I wonder if that's why they had Keenan um, sing that. That would that would make sense. That's a really good a point. nice little homage. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Gabby, I didn't think about that. Yeah, uh, I, I think that the sweatshirts that they chose were really, really great. I think my number one rule when I tell Allie when she's taking my sweatshirts, I just say, like, don't spill food on them, like when you're eating with the sweatshirt. Like, that's my number one thing. Like, I wish, you know, <laughs> wish they covered that. But I think there was uh, this to me was was fantastic. And again, like just a really strong night for the pre-tapes that we got to see. Anyone else got anything on this? Okay, let's talk about other moments from the night that we just want to make sure that we cover. So Morgan, is there anything else from this episode that you really want to make sure that we talk about? I thought the Hot Girl Hospital one was funny. Okay, anything in particular you really liked about it? Well, it was one of the first ones. Um, and they could have easily also, I feel like they could have like made this a pre-tape or something also maybe. Um, but I did like how they kind of kicked off with this. And they this sketch was written for her. 100%. I mean, it was her dialogue and everybody was tapping into that. Um, it had her attitude, her sass, her performer-esque fun hot girl vibe to it. So I thought that it was creative and it was cool how they like, like in a normal hospital show, how they would have like those little bits in between, like very serious. Um, but then it, it wasn't serious. Um, so yeah, and I I really loved Ego and sorry yeah Ego Ego and Punky yeah. in it for sure they were they were really good alongside Megan and they all you could tell they're all like they were all like besties almost like I mean I bet leading up to the week or sorry what am I saying leading up to the show that week like I bet they all bonded and it seemed like Megan was very close with like a lot of the cast members and just gelled in and they're all having so much fun and you could really see that they were having fun in this. Um, and they were really happy to be there and happy to be doing that. And I thought it was like a good start and it was really fun. For sure. Uh, I, I agree. I don't feel comfortable reviewing this as a white guy. Five stars. So Gabby, what do you think of it? Um, yeah, I loved it. I felt that, um, I, I do wonder how it was received by like the <laughs> the general population of SNL viewers, but I thought it was fun. I thought that was kind of a sketch that I had to like turn off my my PC goggles for <laughs> and just right. kind of sit back and enjoy the ride. But yeah, again, I think that was 
uh, it was, was it the first sketch or after the, the monologue? monologue or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it really, that's when I started to pick up on like realizing that Meg the Stallion really can act comedically with just body movements, which I think is pretty fascinating to see, especially for someone who doesn't do sketch comedy. Yeah, definitely. I, I will say like, I think that the uh, use of like the white guys, I think I can say this. I think the use of the white guys as like, you know, pointed like for comedic fodder in these sketches, I think were really good. Like I think Andrew did that with the girl talk sketch. And then we also in this case have Marcelo and James coming in and be like, no, 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 we don't deal with blood. Like we don't deal with you. <laughs> so I think like that type of thing uh, really worked for me for sure in this one. And I think there was elements. And, and like I said, like this was, this really felt like a make the stallion sketch. Sammy, do you dare to uh, comment on it? No, I, I, I dare. I dare. No, I, I, uh, I enjoyed it. A big part of it for me was like it was our first kind of taste of like you know this being or, you know, having uh punky and ego in the sketch and this was obviously a big night you know especially for ego and and punky as well you know after you know last week not having really any screen time so it was good to see them you know right off the bat um in the show a couple of funny things that i wanted to point out the, the whole explanation that like draymond green was responsible for the hospital like because of like community service <laughs> that that was like so funny to me like that was really funny uh, yes i didn't even talk that, about that on saturday that was hilarious yeah, yeah. that was really funny and then like another good line was <laughs> like when they're they're dealing with like sarah who was like pregnant and uh you know devin walker was you know her husband and like they, they all like knew him from like the dms and they're like uh good luck to her baby daddy like the daddy's wearing all birds like i thought that was like so so funny so yeah this this one was like a lot of fun and like you said like you know this is like the meg the stallion show like this is a sketch that you could like you know could really not only do with meg, meg the stallion but like this is like the type of sketch you want for her episode so i, I thought this was fun yeah i think so too and i think the part where they're like uh they said to Devin, they're like Dewan, is that you? Like you've been in our DMs. Like, I think that part for me was actually my favorite part of the entire sketch. So uh, Devin, who had a fantastic night, and uh, we'll talk about that, I guess, a little bit uh, in a moment. But yeah, just just an all around amazing night for Devin. Okay, Gabby, is there anything else from the episode that you want to make sure we talk about? The Miss Fink sketch, which may have been renamed to Classroom, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I I don't know. As soon as I as she starts giving that speech, I just thought, okay, this is a type of role that I've never seen before, the black white savior. I feel like it's the kind of role that um, like Michael Shea would try to trick Colin Jost into <laughs> being in <laughs> without him knowing. Um, but I, I thought that it was a great twist and I really, you know, even though it was the, the final sketch of the episode, it didn't have that um, 10 to one kind of energy that, we've talked about earlier in this episode um it it really felt like it had a lot more weight to it and it, it didn't fall flat for me at all I, I really have like no notes in it ego was so good in this like just yeah. incredible acting like i think this is the type of sketch that you'll look at when she's no longer on the show and realize like why she's getting all these incredible roles in these movies and tv shows and stuff like that because she can clearly do she's clearly hilarious but she can also do dramatic acting as well like she is just a real talent on the show and the sketch was really well written as well like i have to say it's probably my favorite live sketch of the night sammy did you enjoy this one 
Yeah, I, I really did. You know, I, I, I've missed the classroom set. I, I love, I love like, it seems like there's a running theme in my life as an SNL viewer as like a classroom sketch for the most part is like, is going to hit. There's something about like being in, in school and you know, that like, I don't know, there's a lot of funny situations you can obviously mine from. And uh, I, I saw a lot of people like using like, this as a way to describe like this sketch for Ego is like something, you know, that you would see on her best of DVD if like they still made those or still came up with those specials. I thought it was like a really like awesome showcase for her. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of just great little one-liners she had. Cause like she comes into the sketch having like all of this confidence and like being so in control of the room. And then it's like, just totally turned on its head when it's like, I don't know this, the students are clearly like way smarter than this teacher who just assumed like that they like, you know, were just dumb and, you know, didn't have an education and, uh, you know, but the, the whole STEM school bit was really funny to me. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed this sketch. Yeah. And I didn't also talk about how, you know, this sketch sort of reminded me of a sketch that happened during the Kristen wig episode in season 46, where there was a pre-tape where Ego was also playing a teacher and Kristen wig was playing a principal. I think this was in December of 2020 and it was mocking, I believe like an FX show at the time called uh, a teacher if I remember that correctly. And in this sketch, like Andrew Dismukes was like trying to like flirt with his teacher. And then Ego the whole time was being like, yeah, like I don't think about you the second you leave the classroom. And there was like this great turn. Like I think Ego in a teacher role has been like really successful from what I've seen so far, different concept, but just, uh, you know, goes to show you like, actually I would say all Ego classroom sketches, including the one that we got with the Sudeikis episode last year have been very strong, like three for three with that. Morgan, did you like the Miss Fink sketch? Yeah, I agree with um, what you guys are saying a lot of, um, but yeah, no, like right when I saw the classroom, like set up, I mean, I, I thought of the, it looked just like the one, it was like the, when the teacher fell, I think it was Kate McKinnon, teacher fell on floor, whatever that one. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of that. Um, but yeah, Ego is a really good actress and you could totally tell um through the emotion there i i still agree with that placement i totally think it should have been more in the beginning or in the middle not like right at the end because it like it it was funny but like it also was serious because like yeah she was very very good in that role um but i did enjoy it the writing was strong um and it had like purpose behind it so yeah i thought it was really strong yeah it was really strong uh my favorite lines from that one in particular were believe in you and that is why i should still get paid for today <laughs> this is so great and i think my favorite meg the stallion line from the entire episode happened with this interaction let's all try to be more like la quantisha <laughs> my name is amy it was so like, <laughs> like so well acted. Like Gabby, I have to feel like in this case, like when you're talking about Maggie Stallion, like being like showing off her acting chops, like to me, the, the timing of the line was really strong there. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like the perfect amount of like attitude in the response to that kind of so, question. Yeah. yeah, really fantastic. So uh, this is a great sketch. I wish I saw it earlier in the night, but uh, it, nonetheless, I still enjoyed it. Sammy, how did, uh, was there anything else from the episode that you want to make sure we talk about tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the only thing, just because it was kind of a running theme of the episode, and it's not that either one of these, I, I can't really choose between the two of these. I'm just going to say that the pairing of 
Heidi and Chloe, I just found to be like really fun and interesting that we haven't, at least in my knowledge, there's nothing that automatically comes up as like seeing a two-hander with the two of them, you know, in, you know, the last couple of years. Um, so they were, you know, on that weekend update piece together, you know, the, the two kind of Karen-esque moms talking about, um, you know, Hocus Pocus 2 and not wanting their kids to watch that because of, you know, Satan and the devil. And then also as the, the, the flat assers in the, the workout class sketch. I don't know. Like it's something that like, yeah, obviously they're both like two very funny people. And so, you know, it's not like that crazy that they're going to have like great chemistry together, but I don't know that it, it like in this, especially like workout class, which to me, you know, there were, it, it wasn't an amazing sketch. It had like a lot of, you know, technical flubs and, and whatever. And like, you know, the concept alone, you know, maybe there wasn't a ton there, but you know, every time they like kind of cut to them and just like, you know, in unison saying like, you know, sag the ass, release the tension, sag the ass, release the tension. And then just like going like, bada, 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 like to each other's butts. I don't know. That was just funny. So I like seeing the two of them kind of playing off each other. And I'd like to see more of that. I agree. I think like the more we get duos together, it's very fun. I think in the case of like these two things, I think one was a little bit stronger than the other, but I think that it goes to show you that, you know, them working together potentially could be great for the two of them moving forward. And we'll, you know, I, I guess we saw Chloe and Sarah together at the beginning of the night and we saw Chloe and Heidi together. So I think like these pairings are being fun. It will be very interesting to talk about. And I assume that we're probably going to get to talk about this in a couple of weeks from now about how Cecily strong fits in the mix with all of the women of SNL who had, in my opinion, their strongest night of the season it was like a really women-centric night so like how does Cecily fit into what's you know developing at the show that would be interesting to talk about Morgan anything that you saw from Chloe or Heidi that Sammy brought up that you just want to touch on yeah um I I mean yeah I follow them both like on social media and everything going on there like off the show and it seems like they are very close and they do seem like similar in a way um, but yeah, they seem very close off camera. And so like to see them like actually like, in their element together in silly roles together. Um, I think that they're very compatible there. Um, I thought the weekend update bit was really funny. Um, and I liked, I did like the workout butt sketch, but like you guys talked about, like there were a lot of technical issues and. I don't know. It was very choppy to me and I wish it wasn't because I feel like if it wasn't choppy um, and if it was more lowy, then it would have been really strong and it would have hit harder in my opinion. Um, I thought the concept was funny um, and to see like everyone in the workout class like was, was funny, but um, yeah, definitely some technical issues or something was going on there, but um, I do like seeing them together and yeah, it was a very women women centric night, which is fun to see. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll keep monitoring that dynamic throughout the season. For sure. I think that workouts get ended up a little bit flat. Okay. <laughs> Gabby, anything, anything on the duo or any of the sketches that Sammy brought up? Uh, yeah, I really like um, seeing them together. It's pretty refreshing. Also knowing that they both wrote uh, the workout or, you know, co-wrote the workout sketch as well as um, their appearance on Weekend Update. And so I'm kind of excited to see what else will come from their comedic minds <laughs> as a duo. It seems like, honestly, they know how to write for each other and know what will work um, for them as a pair on, on the screen, even though... I, I agree that the workout sketch fell a, a 
bit flat, um, pun intended. Um, I think that they were still kind of like the energy that they brought to it and their dynamic was still fun to watch. And, and I'd love to see them, you know, paired up again in other sketches. For sure. And I just want to point out also Amanda uh, saying in the chat about how they were wearing prosthetics throughout the uh, throughout the sketch as well, because obviously, uh, or we would assume that their butts probably weren't the way that they looked in the sketch. So I think that, that was uh, very funny. I'm sure they're having a lot of fun with that as well. Okay, the other thing that I just want to bring up was Devin Walker. So I mentioned that he had a huge night. It was a huge night for the women of SNL, but a huge night for Devin as well, who, believe it or not, was in six sketches in this episode. He was also in a couple that were cut from this uh, episode. So like he was written for tremendously, had a huge night, had his like, you know, episode moment where he was on uh, Weekend Update, where, uh, you know, I think he had a lot of fun on Weekend Update. I know people you know, I was curious if people felt as high on it as Marcelo and as Michael the week before that, but I thought he did a very good job. I had a lot of fun where uh, there was this moment we had with Devin update. Hey guys, y'all think I look like a cat caller? Yeah. And we get the, uh, the, the person in the audience yelling, yeah, like that's a moment I think people are always going to remember from Devin's first update piece. And, uh, you know, <laughs> obviously like, you know, his deadpan where he's like, where are my straight boys at? Like, just very, like, he has some moments here that I really, in particular, enjoyed in his update piece. But like I said, six sketches, I mean, that's pretty huge. The last time that anybody, any rookie in their first three episodes got anywhere close to six sketches was Mikey Day, Alex Moffat, and Melissa Villasenor in season 42. So that's going back six years. The last time that anybody in the rookie season got six sketches was Bowen Yang three years ago. So since Bowen, you know, obviously there's was Chloe and then Lauren Holt and JJ and um, and also uh, Sarah Sherman, uh, Andrew Dismukes, Spunky Johnson, all the other rookies that have this year, like we haven't seen a rookie be this dominant in an episode in a while. So I was very impressed with Devin. The question I would like to ask while I get your thoughts, uh, the panel's thoughts is between the three update pieces, was there a preference? Which one did you enjoy the best from what we saw in this initial run? So Morgan, between Michael and then Marcelo and then Devin, did you have a preference and how are you feeling about Devin Walker's night? Um, I totally thought my favorite out of those three so far, I totally loved michaels to kick off the season i just thought while i was watching him like he had this like crisp like to him like the way that he was talking and the way that he conveyed his piece like i just thought that it was very smooth um you could tell that he totally was like i i don't know if this is true or not i feel like he was like a theater for sure theater kid growing up like he you could see that acting side to him um but also he wasn't nervous at all. I kind of feel like um, in this episode, I think Devin was a little nervous and he wasn't like as loud as like I wanted him to be or like he felt like, I don't know. I don't know. That's just what I thought. Um, but I like seeing him in the sketches. Like I think in the sketches, he's been doing really well and he's definitely in his character. Um, but I thought that on Weekend Update, he was very nervous and almost like uncomfortable in a way. Um, but I mean, I feel like anybody would be nervous in that situation, but I did like Michael's the best. Gabby, which one was your favorite? Um, I think I liked Devin the best, actually. I just okay. kind of appreciated, like, yes, he did. I, I, I felt like it was obviously like not the strongest kind of start, but I felt like he did like a pretty good job, all things considering, especially when he's just there almost 
doing like what seems to be kind of like a stand-up set um, just for a little while and even getting, I guess, technically a heckler <laughs> in the audience um, and just the way that he dealt with it. I think that it just shows that he's he's capable of doing it. Like he didn't really shy away after anything. It didn't seem that, you know, calling out where all the straight guys in the audience and then getting completely silent. Um, like it didn't throw him at all. And so that's that's what I kind of appreciated about it. Definitely. Sammy, what about you? Which one was your favorite from the three? I mean, I just think, you know, Michael Longfellow, he had like really set the bar high when he first came out Mikey Longs. in that first episode. Mikey Longs. And again, people are going to in the comments be saying he's being biased because he's on his fantasy team and whatever, blah, 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 blah. But uh, no, I, I genuinely like his style of comedy, you know, has just really been like something that I've, I mean, like that piece itself, I really enjoyed. And then, you know, every time he's popping up in sketches and like these really small roles to me, like I'm automatically like, all right, this, I feel like this guy has like star quality. He's got something to him. So I do think of the three, um, you know, I'm gravitating the most to him. I do maybe want to ask you guys your opinion. Like, do you, do you think it's smart of the show to be like, you know, one after the other giving all these featured players like their piece. Cause on the one hand, I think it is great that they're getting time. But the other, on the other hand, I do feel like we're automatically going to the point of comparing them versus like, if they were to each other versus like, if they're more spread out, you know, over the first couple months of the show, maybe we'd be less so doing that. So I was curious if you guys had an opinion on that. Gabby Morgan, you want to jump in on this? Um, I feel like, at the end of the day, even if it was more spread out, we would still end up comparing them. So I feel like this kind of, um, I don't know, speeds it up, <laughs> um, even though it, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, right? Because then they get compared more quickly. And it, especially I feel over the course of the season, episodes can kind of like ebb and flow in their popularity and things and their strengths and weaknesses. So I think that by having them back to back, on, on one hand, it, it's good because it allows us to kind of see what the talent is is a, like capable of doing um, pretty early on. But on the other hand, it kind of like are the opportunities always there for them to just kind of thrive in the episodes based off of the like surrounding script. Morgan? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like very interesting. I would love to know like the strategy behind like why they chose that order of them going on and why they wanted to do them one after the other. Um, and yeah, like I think in the chat, someone's like Molly's next. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting and I, yeah, I want to know why. And like, maybe there is no strategy behind it. Maybe it's just random. Um, but yeah, I think it is an interesting comparison and yeah, I, I agree. Someone in the chat's like saying like they waited too long for someone. Yeah. Lauren. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they did wait too long. <laughs> I think it's good that they're getting them out there and they're getting everyone to get to know them more and see what they can do um, and why they're on, why they're on the show and why they're meant to be there. And so I think that it's kind of fun that they're doing it kind of early on and back to back. But yeah, I wonder if there's some strategy. I mean, I just think it's it's definitely the right call as far as I'm concerned. I, th I think, you know, don't leave these people on the bench. I think you have to put them in the line of fire right away. And if, you know, they fail, they learn from it. And I think, you know, that's what you want from SNL is to not like keep these people cold for so long to the point where they start to get disheartened or not motivated or, you know, like 
you know, not really like willing to get in the game. And I think like that's unfortunately happened over the last, you know, several seasons where there's been like one person perhaps and, you know, of the rookies that just doesn't get that opportunity. And then it just spirals to the point where they just like don't have success on the show. And I think in the case of the three that we've seen and hopefully Molly to come, I really think that there's an opportunity here for these cast members to be cast members for a long time. And I think a really big reason why is putting them out there to have their own moments earlier on. I, you know, I believe, I think it was on Saturday, one of the panelists brought up the, um, the Bill Hader and Andy Samberg on their first episode being brought on to weekend update to do like an impression off that may have been last week was brought up, but recently on one of the podcasts, so many of them, um, but was brought up and, you know, they were out there and you got to know them, got to see like the differences and stuff like that. And I think like, as far as SNL is concerned, yeah, like we're going to compare, but we're going to do that no matter when that happens, as Gabby said. So, uh, you know, speaking of comparisons though, we did ask our audience this week which ones you prefer out of all three. And here are the answers that we got from the audience. And they said that first place, Marcelo Hernandez coming in at 51.36% of the audience really connected with Marcelo's update piece. 39% from episode one for Michael, only 9.62% for Devin. I think I enjoy Devin's probably more than the most. And I think I'm a little bit with Gabby on this that I really, really liked it. Um, I, I really don't take fault in like any of the three of them. I think they all were like unique in their own ways. I know that's a little bit of a cop-out answer, but like I personally think that they were like all really strong and I can't wait to have them back on the update desk. So yeah, them and then Molly too. Want to see them on the desk. So, okay. Let's get to our MVP polls from this week. So every single week we ask our Twitter and Instagram audience to give us their MVPs from the week. I'll just read out some statistics. So uh, Meg was in eight sketches, two performances. So really big night, 10, 10 segments for Meg. Uh, Heidi was in six, Ego in six, Chloe in six. So the women really uh, doing well. Punky had a big night for her, you know, compared to the last couple of weeks where she was in four sketches as well. Keenan was in five. So uh, some contenders there. Obviously, Devin, I mentioned, was in three sketches as well. There was a good Sarah Sherman piece uh you know and then we had pdd so basically every single week we ask our audience could be the host could be the musical guest could be cameos could be anyone on the cast who were your mvps for the week or who was your number one mvp but i ask our panel who their top three was from the week or who they think the audience's top three was so morgan i'm gonna start with you who do you think is the top three from this week um definitely meg ego and punky i gotta stick with the ladies Okay. Gabby, what about you? What are your guesses for the top three from the MVP results from this week? Um, I'm guessing uh, Ego, Meg, and Heidi. Ego, Meg, and then Heidi. Sammy, what about you? I think just to switch it up, I think the audience is going to go Ego, Heidi, Sarah. Okay. So all women chosen here for our top three from the week. And the answer to the results is that actually the top five is all women, but we will, you know, go through the order in just a second. I'll bring that up on screen and big congrats to Ego Odom, who as uh, Gabby and Sammy correctly predicted was number one this week with 45.45% of the vote from our Twitter and Instagram audience. Chloe Feynman, who none of you said actually came in at 13.64%. So Chloe obviously having a big role in the cold open, uh, was on weekend update this week, uh, also was in that uh, workout sketch. So, you know, six sketches, six appearances for Chloe Feynman. This week comes in second place, 13.64%. Meg the Stallion comes in third place, 11.36%. Punky Johnson making her first 
appearance on the MVP results for this week, uh, 10.23%, and then Heidi with 9.09%. So props to Ego, Chloe, Meg, Punky, and Heidi for big weeks on SNL for week number three. All right, so that wraps up our first three episodes from the season. And then we have one week off and we look forward to Jack Harlow coming in for Halloween, as Sammy said in our group chat the other day. So I uh, love that. So in time to preview his episode and uh, very interesting back to back rappers, I guess I could say, going to be on on SNL for double duty. So Morgan, how are you feeling about Jack Harlow coming in to host the show? Well, I've seen Jack host, he's hosted some like musical award show or something, but like just from seeing him there and then also knowing his music, he seems like he's a very like friendly, fun entertainer. Um, No doubt that he's good at music, but it seems like he has that personality there and he can like really talk with people and he's, he's a funny guy it seems. So we will see how it plays out on the SNL stage. Um, but I'm very much looking forward to it. I think it will be a fun Halloween episode for sure. And I think Gabby mentioned this like in the beginning um, that SNL is really trying to hit that younger younger demographic. Um, and they're definitely going to do that for sure with Jack Harlow. And yeah, we know Jack's big on um, TikTok and on social, on the on the radio, everything like that. So it will be fun to see for sure. Gabby, how are you feeling about Jack Harlow coming in in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I think that he, like, I don't follow him that closely, but I have seen him in like a couple of videos, like non-scripted content um, where he just, like Morgan said, just seems really like nice and laid back. I think that he's the kind of guy who will be up for pretty much anything. Um, and so I'd like to see them kind of push that hopefully in his episode, just see him in like some absurd kind of roles. Uh, but in terms of, you know, like how he would do comedically, I'm not exactly sure. So I'm just going in with no expectations. Um, I think that's the best way to do it and either be blown away or not. Okay. Sammy, I know you are very familiar with Jack Harlow. Do you believe this is a first class booking or not? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say first, I wouldn't say first class booking. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, you know, I think the first time I was ever actually like introduced to Jack Harlow was when he, um, was on SNL, um, I think during season 46. Right. And that was, um, when they did the, the NFT. Yep. And they did the NFT sketch, which I, I thought was great. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, kind of going back to the beginning of this episode, we talk about who they choose to be a double duty host, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully that means like they saw something in him, you know, when they, you know, did that pre-tape and when he was at the show that, uh, you know, if they think there's potential there. I mean, I think like the industry as a whole is really making a push for Jack Harlow. He, um, I think was just cast in like the white man can't jump remake as like one of the leads of that. So, you know, I, I don't think he's really done much acting as far as I know. So, but he, he's try, I mean, he's been cast in a, in a comedy movie. So I'm hoping that means that, you know, he can bring the funny. Um, and I mean, clearly SNL is trying to tap into people, you know, like Brendan Gleeson who have a huge fan base. Um, uh, and, uh, not, not like Brendan Gleeson. That was that was the joke there. But uh. You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I was just I just kept thinking about they must have booked Jack Harlow because they know his last name is so close to Halloween. Like that just seems like the reason that they did this. 
Yeah, they, they need to use that in the marketing. Like they don't need to pay me. I know I coined it in the group chat, but definitely go ahead and use it. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited for it. I mean, again, I only judge hosts who hosted once and then were bad and then are asked to be brought back. I never judge the booking of a host that we haven't seen before on SNL. I think we have to give them a chance. So I'm excited to see what we're going to get from Jack, who was recently on uh, Jimmy Fallon helping co-host. And he's been on various talk shows. Seems like a perfectly nice and fun guy. So I I'm excited to see what we're going to get to see from him. I think that the week off will be very good for everybody at SNL who had a very intense first few weeks to all these changes. So I think the Cecily strong factor will also be something I'm watching for coming in in a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, then of course we're going to find out more information about the other two hosts, but I did actually on the patient feedback show allude to the fact that Jack Harlow may be hosting the show because on the patient feedback show, if you were listening very carefully last Thursday, we did get asked a question about, will we see Pete Davidson back on the show anytime soon? And I said, perhaps if somebody was to host who was in a pre-tape, maybe a rap pre-tape with, uh, with him that he, that would be a case where he might come back. So I think that would be a question where we will watch to see, could we potentially get a Pete cameo coming up with Jack in a couple weeks? Okay, so let's talk about what is coming up here between now and that episode, which of course we'll be back for the Hot Take show for that. But between now and then, we have two more shows to talk about uh, the Megan Thee Stallion episode. And first up on Wednesday night, we will be back with Nicole and Mike Murray for the By the Numbers show. And they're going to talk about all the screen time from season 48, episode three. They're going to update the power rankings. So they will talk about the first three episode and who episodes and who is leading the power rankings. Then we'll also get our ratings from our patrons and any other metrics that are fun to talk about on Wednesday. On Thursday, I will be back at 6 p.m. Eastern with two of our patrons, Eric and Johnny, and we will be answering questions from the week and looking forward to the Jack Harlow episode. So you can always send in your questions on Wednesday. We'll put out those forms for questions. And thanks to everybody who keeps sending in the questions week after week the following monday sammy what are we looking for with the super fan takeover yeah so on monday you know inspired by you know people like devin molly michael and uh, marcello who have had such great kind of uh, rookie seasons we're going to be looking back at our favorite rookie moments in snl history so the super fans are going to come together and we've all made a list of some of our favorite sketches from a particular cast member's first season on the show and then we're going to come and make a a ranking of the, the top rookie moments of all time. So definitely uh, come check that out. Yes, that'll be in this slot next Monday night. So can't wait to listen to that with Sammy, Bill, Haynes, and Haskell. And then, of course, the Hot Take Show will follow that on the following Saturday for the Jack Harlow episode. All right, Morgan, where can everybody check out all the things you got going on? You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter at Morgan Kaloran. Awesome. Gabby, thank you for joining us tonight. Where can the listeners check out what you have going on? Um, you can find me on Instagram at modestly underscore awesome. <laughs> Love, it. Love that handle. It's so great. Uh, great to hear from you, Gabby, tonight. And then Sammy K, we did it. Back for your number three. So excited to get to talk to you. Where can the listeners find everything you have going on? John, as always, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you guys can find me at that Sammy K on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Yes, thank you for everybody for joining us for tonight's show. It was really fun to get to talk to the uh, everybody in the chat and our three panelists for tonight. So on behalf of Morgan, Gabby, and Sammy, my name is John D. Schneider from the Saturday Night Network. We will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.